0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, today we will start with number 174 in Voices Together. Christ has broken down the wall, and please stand and body your spirit.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Portland Mennonite Church. This is a Sunday of celebration. So I am very glad that you all are here, whether that's in person or online. There's so many things um, happening today. Today is our Menno Pride Sunday. Today is also the Sunday that the uh, seniors will be wrapped in quilts. And in the broader community, today is Father's Day. And it's also the day we might celebrate Juneteenth. Um, there are many reasons to be joyful today. So thank you so much for coming. Um, I wanted to give a little bit of an overview to today's service. So the Menno Pride Community has, uh, Committee sorry, has helped coordinate and plan t- this service to celebrate our belief that God's radically inclusive love excludes no one. We've recently heard two things from our LGBTQ members and friends, and one is that it's incredibly important to center the voices, experiences, and stories of LGBTQ um, persons. And the second thing we've heard is that allies um, are very important in the work of building a more inclusive world. And so in this service, we are trying to balance these notions. You'll see and hear from people who identify as LGBTQ and those who hope to be allies. We also know that the work toward justice or wholeness of shalom is never perfect. But we hope that this attempt to celebrate and learn from LGBTQ folks can be meaningful for all. So join me in prayer. Creator God, maker of all that is and was and ever will be, open our hearts, open our ears. Let us hear each other. Let us hear what you are telling us so that we may continue to be your hands and your feet and your arms and your place of safety and your place of joy and your place of security and stable friendship. Amen. And um, now I'd like to ask Chris to join me. I appreciate Chris for stepping in um, to assist with this reading today, um, as Clara wasn't able to do this this morning. At a glance, Creation seems full of binaries. It's recorded that in the beginning, God created things this way.
2: First, God created the light from the darkness, calling the light day and the darkness night.
1: Yet this is not all we experience in 24 hours. God paints the skies with sunrises and sunsets, dawn and dusk.
2: On the second day, God separated the sky. From the water
1: yet the clouds hold water too the sky separate from water contains and releases rain in a cycle that refreshes the earth constantly
2: God also said let the waters under the sky be gathered in one place and let the di- dry land appear
1: but this is not the full story consider marshes swamps bogs and fens places that are not fully land or fully water.
2: God created the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night.
1: Yet there is more than just the sun and moon in space. Celestial bodies like planets, asteroids, and stars, infinitely greater than our sun, dot the expanse.
2: God separated sea monsters of the water and the winged birds of the sky.
1: And yet, penguins walk on land and swim through the water.
2: And finally, God created mankind. Male and female, God created them. And yet, intersex and
1: non-binary people exist, along with countless ways of expressing femininity and masculinity, and everything that fits within and beyond those labels.
2: At a glance. Creation seems full of binaries.
1: Yet there is such glorious variety in God's creation. The Genesis story gives examples, but does not exclude the possibility of more. And
2: And so we worship worship the god God of of more, the god of the the marsh, the
1: the penguin, penguin, the
3: the god God of the the sunrise,
1: sunrise, the the cloud, and the supernova, the
3: the god God
1: of the non-binary.
4: Amen. We will uh, we will be uh, listening to various voices this morning, um, sent in by video meditations. And the first one that we're going to hear is from Hannah Franson. And uh, Hannah can't be here today, which is unfortunate because she has a quilt that's waiting for her as well. You will see her get wrapped with her quilt next week. Um, But this Sunday, it did not work out for her to be here, but she was gracious enough to make a video meditation for us. So uh, Hannah's a wonderful kid. I was looking at my phone. I have a picture of her when I first got here, what is that, 14 years ago. And she's just this little, little blonde thing running around at, uh, out at, the, uh, at Peace School. Um, so I've known her for many, many years, and uh, she's grown into a wonderful young person and um, offers so much depth and um, reflection about her life at these days, if you talk to her. Um, she used to send me deep theological questions as she was attending a Catholic school and wanting to know what the Mennonite reaction to those things are. So we had some very, very wonderful um, conversations as she went through, through high school. Listen now to Hannah Franson.
5: fall and they quickly become one of my favorite accessories they might be a little difficult to see on the camera um, but they're pretty simple they have the progress flag which is the rainbow flag with a little triangle to represent colors for the trans and people of color community um, and then that flag is in like a little wooden teardrop shape I wear these earrings pretty off pretty regularly and every time I put them on they need something slightly different to me they are a direct expression of my queerness uh, and they let others know that I am proud of them and that I love that part of myself uh, and that I'm willing and that I want to express it. And thankfully, they're welcome in most spaces. I am lucky and thankful that I've never been asked to take them off or been told that they were inappropriate or not allowed. I've never worn them and then feared for my safety or if I was going to be allowed into a space. That is to say, I've always felt welcome to wear them. I've never felt that wearing them would exclude me from a space I was trying to enter. I have, however, sometimes felt that wearing them would mean marking myself as different. Even in spaces where I could wear them, the part of me they represent was not really wanted. In those instances, I wore them anyways in a sort of act of silent rebellion, uh, and as an attempt to force the space to include this aspect of me. When I put these earrings on to enter those spaces, I knew that they meant I was trying to include myself. I felt more conscious of myself as I put them on and I was more aware of how I had to fight to fully realize myself in the space. On the contrary, I've worn them mindlessly. I've put them on with little thought and entered spaces knowing that they might be a source of conversation or maybe compliment uh, instead of a source of separation. In those spaces, they were not only a welcome accessory, uh, but they were included in the love and the energy of the space. If we take a step back from accessories, I find myself feeling the same way about entering different spaces even if I'm not wearing these earrings. Even if I'm not wearing any visual representations of it, I'm always carrying the experience gained knowledge that being queer is often welcome, but not necessarily included and loved everywhere you go. And thus, I am often welcome, but not always included. I have felt this in places that were said to be safe places, that were said to be safe and inclusive. I felt this in schools, summer camps, and other religious institutions. All of these places told me that I was welcome in their space, whether or not they knew I was gay. Once they found out, I was still welcome, but I quickly learned that they were unwilling to let me include that piece of myself in their spaces. In a space of education, I was told that being gay wasn't aligned with the institution's values, and thus conversations on queer topics were disallowed from social justice workshops, I was told that being gay was not aligned with christianity um, and thus that it was not worth discussing a life of following god if being queer was a part of that life in those spaces i wasn't suddenly unwelcome or uninvited i was still able to stay in those spaces and participate in them but i was not fully included there was a piece of myself a piece that took years to discover and even more time to understand and embrace that was not included in a space that was designed to nurture and care for all of me. And to put it plainly, it's not a fun feeling. Including people is just as important as welcoming them, whether it's at home, church, school, or wherever. When you invite somebody to your space, you should invite all of them, every aspect of their identity. This helps make your safe space and a place where everyone can find themselves and be fully present. It creates a space where somebody can wear pride earrings freely and a place that fosters and spreads love. Thank you.
0: Go ahead and turn to number 802, Draw the Circle. So for this song, we are going to start by singing it through with a group of singers. And then after that, uh, we will all sing it together.
6: We'll stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. wide. No one stands. We'll stand side by side Draw the circle
1: up my wrong resource. Apologies. Um, So now it is time for the um, ushers to come forward and collect the offering or the, do we have multiple ushers? Okay, good. Yes, we do. I was like, oh, it's all on Ken. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, As we prepare to take the offering, you will find in your pew at one end or the other, Um, a black folder uh, that we call the friendship folder. And we ask you um, to pick that up, write your name in it, pass it along to the folks who are sitting next to you, and then when it gets to the end of the aisle, boomerang it back um, so that everyone knows who they're sitting with and um, can be celebratory, celebrating with them as well. Please join me in prayer for the offering. Great big God, there is no scarcity, there is no shortage, no lack of love, of compassion, of joy in the world. There is enough. There is more than enough. Only fear and greed make us think otherwise. No one needs starve. There is enough land and enough food. No one need die of thirst. There is enough water. No one need live without mercy. There is no end to grace. And we are all instruments of grace. The more we give it, the more we share it, the more we use it, the more God makes. There is no scarcity of love. Amen.
7: Kristen, and this is Chris Bargoot, and we're going to give you a glimpse into the people and stories behind some of the art used in worship today. Um, as the Meno Pride committee was working on planning, we were looking for resources, um, and we thought, I wonder if there are any uh, LGBTQ composers in the hymnal. Um, and we found one that Ari chose a couple songs from. Um, his name is Mark A. Miller. He composed the first two songs that we sang this morning, as well as a few others in the hymnal, including um, the one that you're probably that we use often, "Our God in Heaven," um, kind of during the the sharing and prayer time. Mark is also African American, and his bio says that he believes that everyone is a child of God, and that music is an ins- is instrumental in healing the world. He also adheres to Cornell West's belief that. Justice is what love looks like in public. He believes that music, social justice, and the beloved community are inextricably tied.
2: I'm going to speak a little bit about this beautiful icon we have here. Um, It was uh, drawn by Tom Howard. And Tom is part of our congregation. And he's also a professional iconographer. And he has been deeply influenced by both Christianity and Buddhism. Um, This piece shows both the hospitality and the inclusion in God's family. This icon is a representation of the historic icon known as the hospitality of Abraham that comes from the story in Genesis 18 of Abraham and Sarah showing hospitality to divine guests. This passage from early times has been interpreted as a story of welcoming and the fatherhood of Abraham. I will make you the father of many nations. In Eastern Christian churches, this icon is often placed above the doors of the church as a sign of welcoming and hospitality. Today is a special day when we as a church come together to celebrate and welcome and include LGBT community into the fullness and the table of the Lord. While Abraham and Sarah are not pictured in this Thanga, we take their am I getting it wrong? Okay, I'm not sure. It says Thanga here. And we take their place in preparing a table where we can all experience the warm and love and acceptance of at the feast. Paul says in Hebrews uh thirteen two, let brotherly love prevail. Do not neglect or show hospitality. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers <laughs> for thereby some have entertained enter- angels unaware.
7: And we'll now uh, invite all the children to come up for children's time.
6: Good morning, well I wanted to show you, I think maybe I've shown you this photo before, but I'm going to show it to you again, because it's one of my favorites. Um, I have, and we have, in our household, we have four cats. See one here, a cat lover? We got a few, alright. Well here are two of the cats, and maybe you've seen this photo before. The brown cat is is my favorite kitty, or actually, I am her favorite human. Her name is Polly, and the white cat is named Luna. And then besides these two, um, we also have two others. We have Polly's sister, who is also brown, and then we have a gray cat named Umbra. Well, when you have a, a household with four cats in it, do you think there might ever be problems? Yeah, cats are kind of like humans, they sort of sometimes get in fights, they sometimes get jealous of each other, and cats may be even a little bit more like that, because in nature, when cats live, normally, do they live with other cats? No, unless a mother has babies, cats pretty much live by themselves. So taking four cats and putting them in a house is kind of a weird thing to a cat, And you can see why there might be some problems, right? So, the problem I had a few years ago, remember the white cat? His name was Luna. Um, Luna was a little kitten, and he was coming to live in our house. Now, how in the world was I going to get the other cats to get along with Luna? Because if you just stick a a new cat in a house, guess what happens? What do you think happens? We got another cat. We had two cats, but um, the first time we took him in, um, our nicest cat said no. <laughs> so exactly. How, how did they say no? Um, she, I think she just like, kind of circled him and like, yeah. just, like, hit him. A little hissing and a little scratching, and, and sometimes it can get even worse than that. Cats can make your sofa really stinky. All kinds of bad things can happen. Um, well, I f- we figured out a way to introduce cats to new cats so that they could get to know them little by little. And here's what we did. We took our bedroom and turned it into a giant cage. And on the first day, we put Luna in there and we closed the door. Now the other cats knew something was going on because the door was closed. So what do you think they did? No, they can't open the door. They're not that good. What? Yeah, this is a pretty tight doorknob. But they could smell Luna underneath, and they could hear Luna when he meowed. So they knew something was going on. And that went on for a few days. And then um, we did something different. We opened the door, but I had made a special door to stick in there. I basically made a cage door to stick in the door. So now the cats could look in our room, but they couldn't go in there, but they could see Luna, and they could smell Luna, and they could hear Luna, and they could even touch noses. And little by little, that started to happen. And then, after two weeks was up, we opened the door. And the amazing thing was, nobody made the sofa stinky, and nobody fought, and nobody hissed, and, Because we introduced them gradually, it was kind of amazing. They get along. Isn't that amazing? Now, why do you think cats might sometimes not get along? What is it about that new cat that they might be worried about or afraid of? Can you think of some things? What do you think, Sadie? They might be jealous, kind of jealous, about getting love taken away or or food. What else might they think about that other cat? Can you think of something, Cora? We have a lot of cats. Usually the kitten demands more attention. So they're worried the other one's going to get more attention. They might think that other cat, what might they think about the other cat? That other cat is really, can you think of something? How about scary? Do you think they might think the other cat might hurt them? A little bit scary? Or strange? There's all kinds of things that they might think about that other cat. Now my question is, are humans ever like that? Do we ever look at a stranger and think, "Ugh, that person might be scary, or they might take all the attention from me or they might not be nice, they might hurt me. Do we ever do that? Yep. (laughs) And sometimes, just like cats, we need a little help opening up our circle and saying, even though you might be scary and you might be weird, I want to let you into that circle. Now, I don't think we actually need a cage door on the bedroom. But we need to figure out ways that we can allow people who are new to us, are strange to us, or different from us, to be part of our group too. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, and that your love is big enough for me, and for every child here, and for every new person that we don't know yet, that we want to be part of our group. Help us to open that circle Wide. Amen. Thank you. You may go down. If you're three years old through third grade, you may go downstairs. You're going to have children's worship. And anybody who wants to come as a helper can go down there.
1: Okay, so now hear these words from Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart. By themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen, until after the son of man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord.
7: And our next video is from uh, Felicia Coloni. Um, Felicia used to be a part of PMC and then followed the Holy Spirit to seminary, where I met her, and we became friends. We survived a summer chaplaincy internship together, and she went on to do a full year practicum in hospital chaplaincy. She's currently currently working as a chaplain in a hospital in Michigan. Here's
8: Felicia. Hey, y'all. It's been quite a while. Um, Missed you. So this is going to be a little bit all over the place, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) There is nothing wrong with you. Such a simple phrase, and yet Those six little words had me weeping at my last therapy session. I didn't realize how much I needed to hear them. There's nothing wrong with you. As hospital chaplain, I spend my days accompanying individuals in their pain. And in many ways, it's so much easier for me to sit with a grieving family than it is for me to hear the words, there's nothing wrong with you. My therapist likes to tell me that the love and compassion I'm showing to total strangers um, is the love and compassion that my younger self craved and missed out on. That in healing others, in essence, I'm also healing myself. There's nothing wrong with you. There's plenty of reasons why I haven't felt worthy. Elementary school teachers who told me I was slow and a pig. Parents who, whether they intended to, taught me that love is is conditional. Growing up in a Lutheran church that emphasized that as a woman, I was lesser than. That as a divorced and childless woman, I was, lesser than as a queer woman, I would be an abomination. It's no wonder it took me so long to come out or rather into my queerness. So I find it incredibly ironic that it took me moving to conservative Indiana and attending seminary of all places To uncover my queerness it's there where I relearned how to read scripture and my understanding of God evolved I no longer look at the Bible as a collection of rigid but conflicting ordinances by which I need to live rather it's a collection of stories about specific time in history and specific people facing very specific problems I found that God didn't fit into a tiny box defined by 21st century cis white men instead I found a God of and one of the things that I do appreciate about my Lutheran upbringing is this emphasis on grace that God loves their creation For more years than I'd like to admit, I misunderstood grace, and it restricted my relationship with God. I grew up with the understanding that grace is the undeserved love and compassion of God. Undeserved. On the surface, it was comforting. I'm loved even though I don't deserve it. I'm loved even though I am a divorced, childless, queer woman. I'm loved even though I make mistakes. The thing is that even though inadvertently negated the love and compassion, I ended up focusing on what society told me was wrong about myself and I internalized society's hate and forgot about God's love. My time at PMC and seminary helped me to redefine grace, something I totally was not expecting from my new Mennonite tradition. I've come to understand grace as the love and compassion of God. Period. No caveats. No qualifiers. Just love and compassion. During the story of the transfiguration, we get a taste of how much God dislikes neat little boxes of this or that. We all know the story. Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John and is transfigured before them. His full, complicated self is put on display. As an individual who's fully human and fully divine not either or in essence Christ comes out as non-binary and God affirms them in that Jesus is complicated and loved Jesus says messy and affirmed God doesn't work in binaries they work in ands a couple of years into seminary, I began to tentatively question my sexuality. I was seeing glimpses of hope in my new understanding of God and grace. But there was still some hesitation until one impactful afternoon. As some of you know, I have a passion for youth work, I've been a mentor. I've been a camp counselor and director. I was a Sunday school teacher and I was a junior high sponsor for the youth group. Well, one very nondescript day, I received a surprise letter from a PMC youth. They were just updating me on their life, telling me the good, the bad, the mundane, and suddenly at the end of their letter they shared that they thought that they were queer they were stepping into a fuller sense of who they are I was flabbergasted I felt so much joy for their confidence and quite a bit of jealousy for their sense of self I returned to the letter again and again and each time I would try on the phrase I am queer each time it grew easier to say each time I shed a little bit of that lie that I was merely a straight female for you are created for you created my inmost being you meet me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I'm fearfully I'm wonderfully made your works are wonderful and I know that full well I'm not a mistake I'm not a lifestyle choice I'm messy and complicated I'm fiercely and wonderfully made and I'm loved I'm forever indebted to the individual who shared their truth with me and gave me the courage to step into my own belovedness. For any of you still unsure about who you are, who you can be, about what it means to be a messy human, complicated, prone to mistakes. There's nothing wrong with you. Thanks so much.
0: please turn to number 808 in voices together between darkness and light Um, this song uh, has just one verse it is also in Hebrew and Arabic I will lead it in English but anyone who wishes to sing in the other languages is more than welcome to my dad will play it through once and then we will sing it twice
1: I invite you to um, pick up your hymnals and turn to the back, number 1048. It's a responsive reading. I'm going to read the um, finer print, and I ask you to join me in the bold. Let the rain come and wash away the ancient grudges, the bitter hatreds held and nurtured over generations. Let the rain wash away the memory of the hurt, the neglect. Then let the sun come out and fill the sky with rainbows. Let the warmth of the sun heal us wherever we are broken. Let it burn away the fog so that we can see each other clearly, so that we can see beyond labels, beyond accents, beyond gender or skin color. Let the warmth and brightness of the sun melt our selfishness, so that we can share the joys and feel the sorrows of our neighbors. And let the light of the sun be so strong that we will see all people as our neighbors. Let the earth, nourished by rain, bring forth flowers to surround us with beauty, and let the mountains teach our hearts to reach upward to heaven. Amen.
7: Last year, um, our denomination, Mennonite Church USA, uh, voted on something called the Resolution uh, for uh, Transformation for repentance and transformation. Um, and it was something responding to some of the hurts of LGBTQ people over time. And Rod had asked our Pride to think of something that we could do to include this in our congregation to work at this. And so the Meno Pride committee came up with a statement. Um, and we're gonna, you've been seeing this in the bulletin, you've kind of heard a little bit of our process. We're gonna, we're gonna read this today um, as a sort of confession and commitment to repair.
5: Statement of Hurt and Healing, LGBTQIA+ loved ones, we confess we have made many decisions hurtful to you. We recognize and honor all sexual orientations and gender identities. We fully include all LGBTQIA+ persons seeking participation in the church, both locally and nationally. We are open to hearing stories and painful truths both current and past, we seek knowledge as we grow to a better future.
1: Our third meditation is from Rachel Joy. Rachel was a member of Portland Mennonite Church for 20 years, serving as treasurer for two of those years, and then became the church administrator for five years. They are now the accounting lead at Hope Village in Washington. Rachel is a founding member and current member at Community of Hope Mennonite Church, a queer Pacific Northwest Mennonite Church plant that worships online and in Bellingham, Washington. On the video, notice Bert Kolinsky's rainbow suspenders. And the quilt behind Rachel is the quilt PMC wrapped her in before she left for Holden Village. Rachel Joy.
9: The denomination was against same-sex marriage, and Mennonite pastors could be fired for being gay or gay-friendly. As someone who rejected Christianity as a bisexual teenager, in large part because of conservative Christians who campaigned in the 1990s to vilify homosexuality, finding home at PMC was in some ways a strange turn of events. But members of this congregation were the hands and feet of Jesus to me in a very difficult time in my life, when I was struggling with drugs, homelessness, and hopelessness. Members of PMC, in all the time I have been here and in all our theological differences, have taken seriously the charge to care for one another and the world and embraced me and welcomed me as dearly as a family member. And as dearly and painfully, we have sometimes argued with each other and sometimes made mistakes. Yet, somehow I trust that love will have the last word. 20 years ago, I poured through the New Testament trying to find an answer to whether Jesus said it was wrong to be gay. I found that Jesus was silent on the matter. But unknowingly, I did my first queer reading of the Bible when I discovered to my amazement that instead Jesus could be read as gay. Jesus can also be read as asexual or as someone who crosses gender lines as well as someone who could have been heterosexual. I think that any sexuality read into Jesus is a projection that also affirms something about our humanity. But that silence from the gospels and the gospel message of Jesus drawing the circle ever wider allowed me to join a church that reads the Bible together and discerns together and where voices were undecided, but nonetheless somewhat balanced about homosexuality. I have lived in that tension ever since, and I am glad, very glad, that there are no longer the same barriers to discipleship, marriage, leadership, and pastoring now as there was then. In the past decades, my understanding also of what it means to be gay has grown and changed. The rainbow has many more colors in it, and the acronym keeps expanding. And I now think of myself as queer or non-binary. I have watched more than one person transform from a painfully awkward, shy and uncertain person to someone whose eyes sparkle and who seems at ease in his or her own skin, expressing a different gender. Although she, her, and hers are pronouns that generally work for me, many feminine descriptors and expressions don't fit. And I have started offering they, them pronouns to signal this because I haven't found a pronoun that really fits me yet. I still feel a bit awkward, shy, and uncertain as a woman Maybe what it means to be a woman needs to stretch or maybe there's something truer that I haven't yet found. But I celebrate a new freedom to explore and become more authentically who God made me to be, whatever gender or in between that is. That brings me to pride. Gay pride isn't about flaunting a wild sexuality although it can include that. It's a celebration of existing despite a world that has tried to erase you. It's centering the joy of self-discovery after years of having that self hidden or shamed. It's the deep satisfaction of choices that affirm life rather than denying it. It's the patience, peace, love, joy, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and kindness that are possible when you can bring your whole good self to the table without fear of rejection. As my father had the grace to say to me a few years ago, I love you no matter what. May we all have the grace to give and receive the love that God made us for.
0: Please turn to number 540 and voices together. Will you come and follow me? Interestingly, um, when we had this and sing the story, it did not have four parts, and now it does. So it will probably sound a little bit different. Uh, we will sing verses 1, 4, and 5.
3: Jesus inspires us to come and follow him and never be the same. Following Jesus today on Pride Sunday means quelling our fears and using our faith to reshape the world around us. Today we lift our voices in prayer, especially for LGBTQI communities in Uganda. In recent weeks, Uganda's president signed into law some of the world's most extreme anti-homosexuality measures. Same-sex relations are punishable by prison time and even death. The law undermines the fundamental rights to privacy, dignity, freedom of expression, association, and protection from discrimination for all individuals, regardless of their sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. In nearby Kenya, similar legislation is being proposed we pray for the lgbtqi community living in fear in uganda in kenya and other parts of the world we pray strength for those who are working to establish justice and respect for human rights and dignity
10: and as we pray together today we'll ask you to join in each of the petitions by responding, oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Together, oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For LGBTQI plus communities in Uganda, where the president has signed into law anti-homosexuality measures punishable by prison time and even death, oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For trans people in the US, facing the passing of ever stricter anti-trans laws, may they find safety and hope, and may their allies find strength to continue to advocate for abolishing both the laws and the fear that drives them. O God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the people of Sudan who are living amidst an internal conflict that has displaced more than two million, O God, in In your mercy, hear our prayer. For the family of Jill Andrew, who died on Tuesday morning, especially for her son Jason, whose only brother died within the last year also, and for his wife Wendy, Jill was part of PMC 15 to 20 years ago. O oh God, in, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For Kurt Weaver, who will have heart surgery this week, O oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And for all the concerns we carry in our hearts, O oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Amen.
7: We have just a few announcements to highlight today. All of these are in the bulletin, so you can see more details. The Family Promise Auction, it's the last day. It ends at midnight, so check your bids, and, or start a new bid if you want. Um, they say they're now close to $12,000, and we'll likely have more by the end today. Um, the pies have made close to 500 and this was, I think, recorded maybe Friday. And other items donated by you all at PMC also are doing well. So thanks to everyone who's participated, there's still time to keep bidding. And all of this money goes to families seeking housing. Also a reminder of the Juneteenth uh, celebrations. I think the ones mentioned in the bulletin have already passed, but it's something to keep in mind. I think tomorrow is the main Juneteenth uh, day. Uh, Bird Games, uh, Wingspan, tonight, 5.30, there's a few other dates for the summer, there'll be pizza. And then also this coming weekend, we're hosting the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference um, here at PMC. Uh, On Saturday, June 24th, there will be afternoon events that you're welcome to come to. Uh, Dr. Melinda Berry is the guest speaker, and you can attend her session from 1 to 3 p.m., uh, Melinda was one of my professors in seminary, and I highly recommend coming to see her. She's she's amazing. Um, and you can also come for the worship session, which will happen from 3.30 to 5 on Saturday. Um, so yeah, we're going to sing our last song, which is number 809. And I would invite, as we're singing this song, during the last verse, we're going to invite Deb and all of our youth who are participating in the Quilt Blessing to come on up during the last verse of the song. We'll sing them up here.
11: Hello? Oh, I'm on. Okay. Seniors, graduating, transitional steps that you're taking. Please come forward. And sponsors, sponsors come help me. That would be those three. We have two missing today. Bob and Melissa Burton could not be here today. Well, here we are, folks. Oh, yes. Let you in. These are seniors who most of you know and have been here and loved for all of your beginnings here and now as we go we want to bless you and wrap you and send you in love but first I want to talk a little bit about the process this process is about a nine months long adventure and we give booklets out to each one of the seniors and a series of questions things that help us understand who they are the colors they like, their interests in life, and it is fun to see how they answer things. I've learned that um, Chloe loves sun and spring, but she also loves the rain, right? Did I get that right? She's a cat person, duh. (laughs) And if she could invite anybody to dinner, living or not living, she would invite her grandpa for, for dinner. Okay, this Jacob person is a runner. He is definitely a morning person, and he loves the rain. He loves the rain. He likes to run in the rain, and he loves salmon hash for breakfast, and his ideal day would start with breakfast in bed with salmon hash. Did I get that right? Yeah. He, unlike Chloe, thinks, Cats are not the pet to have. All they do is sit around and do nothing, and dogs love you no matter what. Makamai is a very creative person who loves, she likes rain too, what is this? What is going on here? Yeah, this is so appropriate. So I'm afraid that wherever they go, they might miss rain. I'm not sure about that. Makamai loves all the colors. She loves all the colors, which is unusual because most of these folks have an aversion to one color or another, but she especially likes a pop of red. And she's quite the um, um, drawer. She's an artist, and she loves dragons, and she doesn't know why, but she does. (laughs) Lucy is is another designer, another artist, a very quiet soul who likes things that are sweet. If she had to eat something for the rest of her life, she would like it to be sweet. No salt, is that right? Right. You also seem to like the rain. You love autumn. You love the fall. These are our people who have grown among us, who you have come to love and who we send out now with love. And as we um, begin to wrap them, I would invite parents, grandparents, special people that have been in their lives to come forward, and we'll move move here to the center, and you can all come and surround us as we bless them. Would you want to come stand here with me? Are there parents and and others who would like to come surround our seniors? Come now. I was scared for a minute here. <laughs> okay, sponsors, choose a quilt. <laughs> and I'll let you know who it goes around. This first one goes for Jacob. It's full of green and trees and a surprise. A Sasquatch. So you wanna come and wrap him? There we go. We love you, Jacob. Maybe you'd be surrounded with dark skies and rain. (laughs) This quilt is for Lucy. She loves yellow, a clear yellow. And she loves greens and monochromatic. Oh, and one thing about Lucy, she asked for non-quilty fabrics this is a hard thing to ask of a quilter (laughs) but there's there's velour in there there's antique fabric in there there's some eyelet in there these are not common fabrics used in quilts but lucy this is your quilt (laughs) next quilt is for makamai the girl who loves dragons the girl who's named um, means beloved, I believe, or you were so loved, or beautiful. I'm not sure. It's, oh, it's upside down! That's a dragon, a flaming dragon. No, it's still another turn. They, yes, that's from Makamai, okay. And the flowers around it represent um, all the colors she likes, red and green and browns. And oranges. <laughs> and it's a boutique based on a Hawaiian fabric. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for Chloe, sweet Chloe, <laughs> who loves, in a way, traditional quilts, one block quilts, um, and she likes what she calls um, texture. Um, we would call it scale, as quilters. This quilt is a. I I'd say a special thank you to Phyllis Shirk, who cut and pieced the top and put it together for Chloe. There, Chloe, Shirk <laughs> quilt. There we go. Now, come around me. I want you to bless. I want to bless you And now I ask all of you to join with me as we send these children, these young adults, these wonderful people who we love off. God of adventure, God of discovery, God of love, God of yes. God of adventure, help us to help you dream big. May you follow these dreams to new hopeful horizons, to all the suns, and all the sunsets. May the comfort of this place go with you wherever you go. May it guide you from the now to the future. May it protect you from the unknown. And may you go with a yes and a joy. And as you go, may you know that you can come home rejoicing to this place. The doors are open. We will hold them wide for you. And we will hold a place of love and yes. Go rejoicing. Come rejoicing. May God bless you. And now to all of you, oh, and now to all of you, may you go with God's great promise of love and yes. Go in peace. Do you like it? Do you Yeah, You see the surprise?